much it means to me when uh, two of my lives come together, a, uh, a life from some past years and time from some past years and friendships, and, uh, and then what God is doing today in, in my life and in the life of our, of our ministry here. Um, when I knew that, uh, that we'd be coming together once more this morning, I thought it would be good for us to have an opportunity to hear from Pastor Kevin McGuire and uh, a little bit of, of his heart, what God's been saying. Um, we've been working in the prayer area around here. God's still working on us. God's still teaching us. We come to worship, we come to pray, and we come to learn. So I'm going to ask Pastor Kevin McGuire to come and start out our teaching time this morning. Brother, love you, my friend. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, some of you asked uh, you know, this, this morning how, how are things going very quickly uh, with the coffee shop and uh, our place out on Route uh, 122. Brother Kevin, make sure your mic's not muted. There we go. This is tough right here because in our home right now is a 97 year old and a toddler so i don't know whether to speak loudly or softly i'm chided for both so i'm confused this morning as to how to do this uh it, it god has been so good so good to us i was sharing with uh, sister bonnie a little bit ago you know i my wife continues to get on to me i god has been so good in this process i keep waiting for a shoe to drop somewhere and it doesn't and so that speaks more to my faith or the lack thereof or the fine-tuning of that um, but uh, but very uh, very blessed and we're excited things are moving along great uh, pastor and I have been we meet about every week for coffee and he's been sharing with me what where you've been journeying in the word and uh, and camping at around this the Lord's Prayer and uh, so we want to share a few ideas before we tag team and, and hand off to him this morning. But just want to share a few things. I, we, we met last week and I was sharing with them some ideas that, that I, I felt the, the Lord was directing me to. And this week it was like it was just a, hitting a brick wall. I said, okay, <laughs> uh, where, where are we going here? And I went back to the place where you have been, where he has led you, and uh, went back there, and, and the Lord began to give a few ideas that, that I'd like uh, to, to share with you this morning. So prayer, I, you know, the Lord's prayer, it says a lot. Um, maybe it says more than, than what we think it says. Often in the Word, as, as we grow, as we get into the Word, we sometimes find out not only does the Word say more, sometimes there's a course correction and we realize that maybe it doesn't say what we thought it did, but something, something greater, something, something more insightful. Uh, you know, most of us as followers, um, often... Uh, our prayer life basically, and I want you to think about this for just a moment. Um, 
our, our prayer life is, is sometimes it's more than one thing, but, but there are different aspects to our prayer. Um, often we pray because we have requests, right? That, that we make of the Lord. There, there are burdens, there are needs in our lives, there are crises, there are things. And, and we, that, that is the fuel that is pretty much at times maybe the essence of our praying and going before the Lord. Uh, other times we, 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 have, we have been in dire need of clarity for decisions and direction. And so our prayer life becomes about seeking the Lord and, and trying to find an answer. Other times in our lives, um, our praying has to do with needing affirmation from God about something, about us, or maybe about someone else. And, and so we seek the Lord in affirmation. And, and the thing is, is that the Word of God actually, from cover to cover, instructs us to always go before Him. And, and, and of course, that it is never wrong. The, the Word talks to us about making our supplications, our needs, praying to him for our needs. Uh, obviously, we see all kinds of models and examples in the word where we find those who are seeking God for direction in their lives. And all of us in our lives and in our walk with him have had times where we have needed affirmation from the Lord. And, uh, and, and we continue to do. And there will not be a time in our lives where all three of these things come into play. But I want to I, I, I talk more about, in, in this part of this morning, I want to talk more about the who of prayer versus the what of prayer. Um, Oswald Chambers uh, our new covenant group can can uh, bear with me here because they know I'm always quoting Oswald Chambers, but I love what he said. He said, we impoverish God in our minds when we say there must be answers to our prayers on the material plane. I want to say that again because that's, that's only the first part of what he says here. We impoverish God. How can we... We impoverish God in our minds when we say there must be an answer to our praying on the material plane. And he goes on to say, the biggest answers to our prayers are in the realm of the unseen. Yes. In the realm of the unseen. We have, I fear, made praying and the prayer life so much about tangible things and felt needs that we have lost sight of what is the greater power in prayer, who is God. We go to him. We, we go to him and, and, and we... It, 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 it's to him who we, whether we look down or we look up, I just, wrong directions there. Uh, we look up or we look down. <laughs> we, we call upon him and we, we incite him to come 
and to touch the felt and physical things that, that we are in need of. And yet, and yet, often we come away from prayer without answers in those realms, but a very felt, a very felt and understood sense that something, something is stirring, something is happening that is unlike what we have felt or what we have, what we have made known to him. In order to get uh, a good picture of the Lord's Prayer, I, I really think that you have to look at the verses, uh, all of chapter 6 of Matthew, and what is before and what is after. Now, take this thought into to consideration. The Lord's Prayer is the small snippet within one chapter. Within one chapter, that is a, a, an overall dialogue of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is known as, we call it the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is more than just the Beatitudes, the first part of Matthew, but it's an entire dialogue of the kingdom of God, which is both seen and unseen. But if, if you look at, and I, I want to just hit a few points real quickly here to kind of encapsulate some of the themes and some of the ideas that are in Matthew 6 before and after those, that, that set of verses 9 through 13. God calls upon us in, in what he addresses in chapter 6 of Matthew to be focused, to be focused on who he is to recognize him and who he is. Not upon what we need, not upon what necessarily our, what, what our felt and, and, and believed need is to be, but upon his name. We, we've sung about that this morning over and over, with the importance of what our praise looks like, our worship looks like, when he is the focus of it, the objective of it. The other thing that we find in this chapter is that we find that we are to be truthful. We are to be truthful in who he is, but we are be, to be truthful about who we are before him. New Covenant, you know this because I'm getting ready to say a phrase that you finish before I can say it. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. You cannot read, particularly chapter 6 of Matthew, and not realize it's all about the heart. Prayer is not about a set of points, methodology. It's about my posture. <laughs> from cover to cover, let me say this, from cover to cover, anytime there is a a, a just even the slightest hint of prayer you're going to find at its foundation its its base intertwined in in it and the outcomes that it's all about the heart it's it's all about the heart also in chapter 6 there there is uh, the fact that we are called upon to have awareness of God more than man and ourselves. I mean, right there, even before going into, right, the Lord's Prayer, there's this thing about you, you, you have to understand that you can't pray. Your prayer is not to be a thing that is to get the attention of others. 
that it is that it is to be about God more than man and about self. We're we're really within the within the Lord's prayer itself. We we're reminded of humility, and in the verses that follow, we're reminded about humility. How many of you, when you have gone to the Lord specifically about something or someone, maybe who has wronged you or or or, or someone who who is this? How many of you have gone into prayer? And in praying for that person that you thought was the offender, you have found out that you were, in fact, the offended. Not, not just the offended, but you were the offender. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, talk about a dose of humility real quick, right? Never, never when we pray, should our pray, praying or prayers themselves elevate ourselves they should never elevate ourselves and if when we pray there is the absence of true humility we are on wrong footing the posture all of a sudden is bent it's skewed it's 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 not right it's out of sync another thing is that in the verses that follow this, we, we, we find out about the value of the kingdom, how the kingdom in our lives is, is, is to be valued. Even there, even there, Jesus points out that your treasure is where your heart is. That your treasure is not in a place uh, of the material it is not in a material world. as believers as followers as god lovers and god followers the things that we value are not to be in this world they're in what is to come it, it, his kingdom and that's what we value and then then he follows up he, he goes continues that idea through the last part of of chapter six and then ends with what we know one of my favorite verses of all times seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and these things shall be what, what are those things well they're, they're the material things it's the very dialogue previous leading up to that verse that those things will be taken care of those will be added even multiplied to our lives therefore through and i was talking with someone earlier trust which is not a noun but a verb therefore verb out flesh out the reality of trust in god by not caring about your life by not worrying about your life, but place it unto the Lord. All of these aspects are not steps. They're not points that, that we can... It, it, it's a part of a posture that God wants us to have that Jesus is talking about here in this passage. By the way, so another thing, as before we read this text... Um, one of the things that, that often we have seen, and I've, I've heard it said, um, is that the Lord's Prayer, this example that Jesus gave them was something new. It was a new thing. It, it was for the first time. There are these actual words that are put there. The Lord's Prayer was not an original, did not just come by Jesus' mouth, and it was the first time that was introduced. The things that, note this, that the things that Jesus points out 
in this what we call the Lord's Prayer are things that, that, that they would have prayed every day and sometimes more than once a day in, in their praying, right? And, and so we have to understand that when we read the Lord's Prayer, it's not, oh, well, this is the first time maybe we read the words like that but those ideas and the things that he's pointing out, the idea, the essence of it, they prayed every day. So, so the ideas weren't as many times Jesus, when he would be teaching and preaching or be in the, the synagogue or, or one-on-one conversations, he was often, so often, not saying new things. He was saying things that were old and ancient, that were tried and true already, that they might, through him, have greater understanding, i.e., the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know? Uh, it's just one example of, of the many of what's happening. So here, as, as we look at this, um, I'm going to be reading from, uh, please pull out your, your version of whatever you are reading in this or if it's on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the Complete Jewish Bible. It says it very interestingly here. And uh, this, is, this is what it says, beginning in verse 9. You therefore pray like this. Our Father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us the food we need today and forgive us what we have done wrong. Think about that for a moment. If we were to go into prayer assuming that somewhere we already have wrong that we stand before the kind of a God who is holy and righteous and who, who can stand in his presence who is righteous and holy. Ah, there's a, there's a thought. Wow. Forgive us what we have done wrong as we too have forgiven those who have wronged us. Hopefully we have done that. And do not lead us into hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one for kingship, power, and glory are yours forever. So be it. Amen. Amen. What does the Lord's Prayer teach me? When I think of the Lord's Prayer as we call it, in this context, in the complete context of of chapter 6, in a greater, longer, historic, from cover to cover context of the Word of God, I realize that when I come to him, that he is the focus. Not the things that I need, not the things that I want, not the things that I hope for, not the need for clarity, not the need for affirmation, Even though the word says, I present, I bring those things, I lay those things before the Lord, because of who he is, the way that I approach, the manner that I approach is focused on him and not me. First thing is this, in verse 9 it says, you are God. You are God. You are one. And you are to be honored. Our Father in heaven. It's hard for me to read those words and think in those terms and not flash back here to the 23rd Psalm. 
He is God. You are God. You are one. You are to be honored. You are the one who has been, is, and forever shall be holy. No man can change your righteousness. No man can diminish your holiness. You don't come to me. I come to you. I have need to come to you. Oh, you have a voice. You have a heart that seeks me out. You do pursue me. But as I come before you daily and even moment by moment in my relationship, in this communion with you, moment by moment, you are God. How many of us in our praying, even in our worship, in the words that we say, and, and, and this, this focus of putting him first, how often have we gone to God in a prayer time with the thought of all of the list of things that need to be prayed, all the things that need to be done in our life, and we really get serious about focusing on who he is, and all of a sudden, everything is lost. Every, all that, that, that list just gets lost and we get lost in and wrapped up in who God is. Who he is and his righteousness, his holiness, his power. The fact that not only is he father, but he is father creator. How in the world? How in the world could we ever have some of the silly problems that we say that we have if we have the awareness that he is God creator? We always say, right, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the grass they eat, the water they drink. A.W. Tozer said once, and forgive me, this is just one I love to say. A.W. Tozer once said, Christians don't tell lies, they just sing them. And they often quote them in their scriptures that they recite, Right? Yeah, but if I really, if I really recognize that God is one and, and you are God, you are to be honored, it already begins to, one, it sets me in a right posture, and it, and it lightens, sometimes it lightens the load of the list that I bring in. It sets me right. Verse 10, he says, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, 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 I sense the Holy Spirit saying to me in this, not so much, I'll, I'll speak just briefly on the kingdom in just a second, but when as a follower of Jesus Christ, I come to him, my agenda must go away and his agenda must be embraced. Again, there are crises. There are burdens of the lost. There's a, there are times when direction, yes, most definitely is needed in our lives. An affirmation when, when we're down or we're wayward and we need that affirming voice, that affirming hug and embrace of God. Certainly those things exist. And those things we are instructed to seek and to pray to God for. But in my life, as a disciple, it is, as, as John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. It is a life of decreasing, self-decreasing, de 
by his increase in my life. Therefore, when I come to him in prayer, his will, his will, what he wants, must take precedence over what I think I want. By the way, I've always said this and, and have felt this, believed this, that if Jesus had to pray it in the garden, it must be pretty important for me to pray too. Not my will, but your will be done. Your will, your will be done. Verses 11 through 13 takes us to those places of the felt needs in our lives. But even beyond that, it's recognizing that with these things that you are the giver of all life. You are the giver of all life, and you are the one who writes all life. You make right what is and straight what is crooked. And that's why if I go before him, he who is God, he who is righteous, he who is holy, he who, when I stand before him, my agenda is very weak and very damning. Then I stand before the one who is the giver of all life. Then the little things that I want because he loves me, because he has created me, because he has a, a design for us, then there is no natural thing. Oh, listen, Kevin McGuire, to what you are preaching this morning. There is no natural thing there is no natural thing that he will withhold from you. If, 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 if I am willing to trust, to verb that trust and let go of my list and embrace his list. His is light and mine is heavy. Mine wears me out his gives me rest the other thing of that that cannot be overlooked is that there is no one not one no not one who is righteous who when we stand before God and and I believe there is a place in the teaching of who he says that we are and who we are through his blood and spirit Yes, we can go into the Holy of Holies with boldness. Yes. But beloved, that's a fine line. Be careful with it. Because if the, if the heart is right, if the posture is right, we're not going to go in demanding. We're not going to go in thinking that we have a right to be there. In the sense that give us our goods. God in our boldness and confidence, we're going to shake you. I, I've never felt that way. I don't really want to. I, I want to enter in with the boldness and confidence of who he says that he is, but that will cause me, that will cause me to understand that when I stand before him, I never have this, this secure place of fooling myself thinking that I am that I am not imperfect. <laughs> that there is place in me that always needed, 
that always needs to be called into question and in fact and in fact needs forgiveness when i have when i understand it that way how easy it is in our lives to forgive others when we when we see ourselves as the offender there's a lot of humility there rightly so and then this last verse 13b and in the original manuscripts part of this isn't even there it's been added but but yet but yet it is applicable and good we have to understand that if his, if he is who he says that he is and in fact he is and more then he is the god whose establishment is forever an establishment not just in the in the way of his his reign his rule but what he says and what he has promised to do is established it's written forever these things when i think on these things when i move on these things have nothing to do with coming into prayer and an attitude of seeking results but it's an everyday movement of awareness and recognition of who he is I feel so woefully uh, inept in, in, in a lot of areas, but particularly about the life of prayer. Not that I don't have one, but that is in such constant flux and change like everything else in my life. And yet, and yet saying that, and yet saying that, the confidence is not in the, in, in the methodology and the points and, and, and the moves, but the confidence comes in knowing that I have this creator God who is my intimate father, who is so perfect and so loving and his righteousness and grace and mercy has proven time and time again and has accepted and embraced me that the more that I come to him in my conversation the more that those things those realities of who he is not of the things that I need and lack but of who he is shapes my prayer life reshapes what I think and what I know and what I what I practice in prayer God is good. God is, God is one. God is all. Amen. Brother. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Now I'll take my hour. I'd like to take a couple of minutes and focus on verse 10 that the pastor so beautifully brought to us. Matthew 6.10 says, May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Jesus taught that we should pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. The prophets looked forward to the establishment of God's kingdom. 
For example, Isaiah prophesied of the Messiah, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on, Isaiah 9. For centuries, the Jewish people looked forward to the coming kingdom. Say, coming kingdom. The kingdom is coming. God's kingdom is coming. So you can imagine the excitement that was generated by John the Baptist when he began to preach, and his sermon was summed up in, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you imagine the excitement of, of the Jews that heard that? Here we go. It's time. Here he comes. And then when Jesus began teaching shortly after that, his message was summed up in the same way. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4. And in fact, everything Jesus taught centered around the kingdom of God. That phrase is found 61 times in the Gospels. Jesus said that the reason he came to earth was to introduce the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus gave his followers many commands. There was only one thing he said to seek first, and Pastor Kevin so beautifully talked about it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well as we seek first his kingdom we find ourselves in that posture that Kevin was talking about we find ourselves in that posture of humility you are God and I ain't but God is God and as I'm used, Pastor Kevin, to saying around here that they're tired of me saying, and God is going to do what God says he's going to do. The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Position yourself as a citizen of the kingdom. That is a position of humility under the great king, amen? We are part, friends, listen, we are part of a different kind of kingdom. One that unregenerate, unsaved man does not comprehend. And God is a different kind of king. A good king. He rules with wisdom and justice and mercy and self-giving love. God is as patient as he is powerful. I said God is as patient as he is powerful. He is as beautiful as he is strong. He is as merciful as he is mighty. He's a good king. God's power is guided by his love and is always in line with his character. He is the kind of king who uses his power to bless his people. So how do we put into our prayer life 
our prayer regimen kingdom prayers kingdom requests how do I seek first I have a couple of ideas number one pray for God's kingdom to come first in your personal life Alan Redpath said before we can pray Lord thy kingdom come we must be willing to pray my kingdom go I like that before I'm positioned to pray God your kingdom come I have to be in a position of my kingdom goes my kingdom goes you cannot go and impact the world if you have not understood and employed God's kingdom principles in your life the surrender of your kingdom the surrender of your agenda the surrender of your priorities must be replaced by his kingdom agenda listen you are a child of God with all the rights and privileges and responsibilities thereof in Galatians 4 Paul says this you are no longer a slave but God's child and since you are his child God has made you also an heir h-e-i-r and so as an heir as a representative you have the God-given right to pray kingdom prayers now that does not remove you or take you above the position that pastor Kevin so eloquently talked about the position of humility it remains in place as a child as a citizen of that kingdom we we find ourselves positioned to knock the water off our pulpit as an heir as as a representative you have the kingdom ability to pray kingdom prayers and so first of all I want to encourage you that you come in with humility you come in in the recognition of God as God and I ain't you come in with the recognition of the greatness of God and the humility of man but he elevates you he lifts you to that place where you can pray kingdom prayers and influence and change our world secondly You've prayed for yourself to position yourself. Secondly, pray for your local body, your local church, to seek God's face. I have said this so many times. They get tired of me saying the same thing. <laughs> I've said this so many times. We're not in this alone. We're not in this alone. God has positioned us. God has planned for it. For us to be part of a body for us to be part of 
a community. Community is a big buzzword these days, but it's a pretty good word. What it means is we're in this together. We're in this together. So as God has placed you as a citizen of his kingdom, he's also placed you in a body of believers. But Pastor Scott, I'd like to, I'd like to worship in my fishing boat instead. Or I'd like to park myself on an island because I really don't like people much. That's not God's plan. It's never been God's plan. And so as he positions us, as he places us, as he makes us members of one another that we talked about last week as I spoke about unity, our position as sons of the Father allows us to influence the world around us and a great starting place is the local body, the local church fellowship. Praying kingdom prayers for the local gathering of believers is meaningful. It is powerful, and it brings results. As God answers those kingdom prayers, you will see strongholds fall in your circle, the church. There will be unity and purpose and mission. So pray that his kingdom come and his will be done in your local family. Now that includes your biological family. It includes your, your, your friend's family. It includes some of your coworkers. Your kingdom come as your will be done. What if we started praying, your kingdom come and your will be done at Faith Christian Fellowship and we, and we battered the gates of heaven for that? We're positioned. We're citizens. But in, in the humility of the greatness of God, we come and we place before him our friends and those that are around us. We're not meant to do this alone. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Third, for your community. Let's step it out wider for a second. Fourteen-year-old young man was murdered in cold blood on a street in Cincinnati last week. Kelly, you're you're linked to that family. The things that are going on around us in our community are troubling at best. But I'm here to tell you that we can storm the gates of heaven on behalf of our communities. We can come to God. We can pray kingdom prayers that extend beyond ourselves into our communities. I believe that. Lifting up your neighborhood before the Lord in the authority of God's kingdom will bring his grace, will bring his peace, will bring salvation to the street that you live on. I want you to visualize your neighbors just for a moment right now. And I want you to see them as saved. I want you to see them as healthy. I want you to see them as viable parts of the community, and I want, to, I want you to see them as linked with you in the Spirit. Friends, pray kingdom prayers 
for your community. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in Mason, in Liberty Township, in Fairfield, even in Springboro and Middletown. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Do you see the, do you see the confidence level there of kingdom prayers? But don't lose the posture of humility of he is God and I ain't. Don't lose that. You're a citizen. You're a child of God's kingdom. And by being a citizen and a child of God's kingdom and an heir, you can pray kingdom prayers over your community. Pray for our nation to humble itself. Pray and seek God's face. We are all concerned about the state of our nation. Visibly, the decline of moral standards in the country is troubling to people of faith. But I tell you, I proclaim to you that the remnant in this nation is empowered to pray kingdom prayers. The remnant. We've talked about that recently around here. God has always had a people, a remnant. God has a remnant in our nation. Despite what you see on the news, despite what you hear from others, God has a remnant in our nation, a remnant of of. of of people that are under the umbrella of God's grace and as citizens of the kingdom can pray kingdom prayers to have an effect on the hearts of mankind, not just legislative wins or losses. Praying kingdom prayers will affect people's hearts. And the church, the body of Christ, the redeemed ones, are positioned to do battle on our knees on behalf of our nation. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our nation. On Thursday nights, we've been studying the life of Elijah and Elisha. And in those studies, we found that even God's people, God's nation, Israel, was, was won over by the temptation to worship idols. And that the nation had strayed far away from what God had called her to. And along comes this man, Elijah. And he proclaims judgment and he proclaims... He proclaims uh, uh, repentance and on Mount Carmel the fire falls and God is indeed God on that day if Israel could fall to, to, to uh, uh, idol worship and stray that far from God having seen what God had done in their midst how many other nations can also so easily fall to temptation? America is a nation of idol worship. But I proclaim to you 
that the remnant, the remnant, the redeemed ones, those under the umbrella of grace, as citizens of a higher kingdom, say higher kingdom, as citizens of a higher kingdom, we can pray kingdom prayers over our nation and God can move on the hearts of people. I believe that. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our nation. And finally, pray for the gospel message to reach the ends of the earth. There's a kingdom prayer for you folks. There's kingdom prayer. We pray kingdom prayers over those who are called to spread the good news of Jesus throughout the world. The missionaries, for example, that we cover in prayer are strengthened and empowered as we pray kingdom prayers over them. I've heard story after story of missionaries who have seen the power of answered prayer in their lives and in their ministry. God is moving in the world through the prayers of the called out ones, through the prayers of the remnant. You look at our nation and it's a mess. You look wider at our world and it's a bigger mess. But God has a remnant. And that remnant is empowered to pray kingdom prayers. May the gospel May the gospel, the good news, spread out throughout our world. May his kingdom come. May his will be done all over the earth as it is in heaven. Look at the contrast. Humility and yet citizenship. Greatness of God, the poverty of the human condition. I challenge you to start to pray kingdom prayers. Kingdom prayers. Knowing that it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. But because of God's grace and his mercy and because we are adopted as sons. God has placed in us a power in prayer that no other group of people in the world have. Amen. Amen. Pray with me.